He's been in the place, amen? One thing I love about praise and worship and just saying the name of Jesus, which we've sung all about this morning, is that when his presence inhabits the praises of his people, amen? When we praise, as Sandra already mentioned, it's a sweet savor unto God, and his presence comes down and we feel him in the place. But the most wonderful thing about that presence is the power comes with it, amen? The power of God, which changes people's lives and hearts, which sees healings take place. Amen? I love the presence of the Lord, and thank you for praising him in the house of God this morning. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to be preaching out of the book of Judges, chapter 2, this morning. I'm going to be starting in verse 8 and going through to verse 14. If you have it, say amen. Just a few of you will wait a little longer. <laughs> Judges chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 8 and go through to verse 14. Now if you're ready, say amen. And starting in verse 8, it says, And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. And they buried him in the borders of his inheritance in Timnath-Hares and the Mount of Ephraim on the north side of the hill of Gash. And also all the generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods of the other gods of the people were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Asheroth. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he delivered them into the hands of spoilers and spoiled them, and he sold them into the hands of their enemies round about so they could not any longer stand before their enemies. In these few scriptures, we see a culmination of God's covenant. The people of Israel were dwelling in the promised land that Joshua had led them to, but his life came to an end as well as Joshua. The people of Israel who followed him and entered into Canaan from the beginning were also gone. Then we have one of the, what I believe to be the saddest scriptures in the Bible, where it says, There arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord nor the works which he had done for Israel. I want to preach to you today, if I could, for just a moment on where are the witnesses. If I, I'll pray for you if you pray for me. Father, I love you this morning, and I thank you for this opportunity to stand behind your sacred desk and, desk and preach the word of God. I pray that your help will arrive and that I would preach under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And Lord, that you would guide my mouth this morning. As you burn this in my heart, I pray that we would, as a people, would have ears to hear what your spirit is saying. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. As we look in the, into the context of these scriptures today, we'll see that we have come to an end of Joshua's journey. Joshua being the leader of the Israelite people after Moses' death who led them out of the wilderness and into the promised land. The book of Joshua records that he led them, through, led them out of the wilderness and into through many obstacles on the way to Canaan. They made their way down to Jordan, the Jordan River where God gave Joshua instruction as to how he was going to get them across that great river. 
he instructed Joshua to get the priests of the Levites and take up the Ark of the Covenant, and they were to carry it before the people. Joshua then instructed the people that once they saw the Ark pass by to follow. And it was Joshua chapter 3, verse 7 that read, And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day I will begin to magnify thee in the sight of all, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. And as that proclamation was laid to Joshua from the Lord, as the priests walked out into the Jordan and they came to the brink of the waters, they stood still. And as their feet touched that brink of the water, the water which came down stood above and rose up a great heap or a wall. And there was there, it was there that God stopped the flow of the river and the people of Israel walked across on dry ground. And when the kings of the Amorites and the kings of the Canaanites heard all that the Lord had done and dried up the river, for the people of Israel, the Bible says that their hearts melted, neither was their spirit in them anymore. It was then that they shut up the city and locked it down. No one was coming in and no one was going out of the city because they knew that the people of Israel were on their way and that the God of Israel was with them. Joshua then led them to Jericho, and we see which seemed like an impossible obstacle to overcome. It had impenetrable walls that could not be overtaken, but further instruction came from God on how to overcome this great obstacle. It was there that the mighty walls of Jericho fell flat because of God's power and Israel's obedience. Next, in the battle of Gibeon, we see nine opposing kings and their armies gathered together and encamped before Gibeon and waged war against it. Joshua ascended from Gilgal with all the people of war and the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, Fear them not, for I have delivered them into thine hand. There shall not a man of them stand before thee. The Lord cast down great stones from heaven upon them, and their enemies were destroyed. It was later that Joshua would ask the Lord to pause the sun in the sky. It was there that the sun stood still, and the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. We know and understand that there are many, many more miracles that happened in the book of Joshua because God truly was with him. You see, the book of Judges is the antithesis of the book of Joshua. In the book of Joshua, we see conquest. In Judges, we see compromise. In Joshua, we see victory. In Judges, we see defeat. We see freedom in one side and bondage on the other side. Progress versus regress. Obedience versus disobedience. Passion versus mediocrity. Heavenly inspiration in Joshua versus earthly inspiration in Judges. Joy versus sorrow. Strength versus weakness. Unity versus disunity. Strong leadership versus weakness leadership and God's word and will versus Israel's will you see the differences in the two books are drastic and are powerful and have great meaning in these comparisons I cannot help but draw a unique parallel with the world which we live in today the past victories the past power of God the past miracles the past manifestations the past leadership the past life we led having God at the head guiding us seems very far from this present day that we live in then we look in the, when the book of Joshua closed and the people were gathering around are enjoying the benefits of Canaan they're enjoying the promised land that they were promised so many years ago then the question becomes why did that change you see the shift from Joshua into Judges, and why did that change? Well, it says that there arose a generation that did not know the Lord. The people that went in with Joshua, we're two generations removed from those very people that walked with Joshua and encountered Canaan for the very first time, but they did not know the Lord. 
what we realize is that the word did not get out. The stories of what God had performed in the midst of the people were not shared. Testimonies had no voice. There were no, no one found to be a witness of the great works of God. What you have to understand this morning is we are one generation away from losing it all. We are one generation away from losing our families. We are one generation away from losing our communities, losing our schools, our very own church. We're one generation away from losing it. As a body of Christ, we are this close to losing everything that we take for granted for now. Prior to Joshua's death, we read in Joshua chapter 24 that he would gather all the tribes of Israel and its judges and its leaders. Then he began to walk them through the history. He began to tell them about all the wonderful things that they experienced and that God had done. The promises of God and the covenant he made with their fathers. Many of them served false gods and did evil. Joshua urged them to put away false gods and with sincerity and in truth serve the Lord. We read in Judges that they forsook the Lord and served false gods. Well, I came to tell you today that it doesn't have to be that way. I came to tell you today and that somebody needs to hear that it's time that we as a church, we as a mom and dad, we as a generation of grandparents and grandparents stand up and say what Joshua did, and he warned the next generation to lend an ear, do not lend an ear to the deceptions of the enemy and to serve these false gods. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the false god of identity. I'm talking about the false god of social media. I'm talking about the false, false god of attention and selflessness. I'm talking about the false god of money and finances. We chase too many things. It's time, mom and dad, that we stand up and proclaim, as Joshua did, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The generation coming after you needs to hear it. Yes, it will be hard. Yes, it will seem at times that you are facing an obstacle you can't overcome. Yes, it will seem like a losing battle, but the trust and faith that you have that is in God will be with you through it all. We have the promise this morning. Give God praise. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's the strength and the, and the power we have behind us to say, no, I will tell my children. As for those that live in my household, we will serve the Lord. You can make your own decision when you get old and move out. But in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen? It's time that we stand up as a, as a mom and dad, as a men and women, and take back our homes. Amen? We've allowed the enemy to come into our homes, to infiltrate our homes, to, to allow our, our children to see things that they don't understand and maybe they shouldn't understand, but they, they hear things that's not right and they can't tell it right from wrong, but it's time we took it back. After Joshua died and was buried, another generation arose that did not know the Lord. The generation before saw the Jordan River stop and dry ground became exposed. The generation before saw the walls of Jericho fall. They saw these miraculous things happen that could not have happened if it weren't for God's power and might. And now this generation that we have in Judges chapter 2 did not know the Lord. Why? Sometimes along the way, we, we, somewhere along the way, we have forgotten to testify. Somewhere along the way, we have forgotten to be a witness to the things that God has performed in our life. Sometime where along the way we have forgot to tell our children how the power of God and what he's manifested not only in our lives, but we've seen him do in others' lives. It's a shame that we have taken away the opportunity for testimonies to be shared. We've taken that away. We have. 
the church, the body of Christ. We don't tell our children the great things God has performed. They grow up not understanding Acts 17, 28, where it says, For in him we live and we move and we have our very being. I don't know if you have today, but I've already thanked him for the breath of my lungs. I've already thanked him for life and the ability to stand. For it's not my ability that God's seeking, it's my availability. And I stand before you today being available to God. And I would ask you to do the very same thing. Be available unto God. Study to show thyself approved. Give your heart and your life back to God and let him be the leading factor. Instead, we let our kids watch Harry Potter and all kinds of shows that promote LGBTQ, and they become numb to the evil that's being displayed in front of their very eyes. And then their ears become very numb to the things that they hear, the music they listen to, the words that are spoken on television everywhere. They see social media and news, news articles and broadcasts. I don't know what they read as much as they watch, but you know what I'm saying. It teaches them that it's okay, and they accept it because they're conditioned to it. Are we forgetting to condition our children about the Lord? Are we forgetting to share the good news of the gospel in our own households? To the youth, to the high school students, some in here are teachers. Are we forgetting to be the light that's supposed to shine so bright that it pierces every bit of darkness? We have forgotten to tell our children and young people about Jesus and the miracles he performed. The redemptive work that he performed on the cross at Calvary. We have forgotten to tell our stories and our testimonies and our witness. My children would not know about the healing that God performed in me had I not told them. When I went to the doctor and I was having trouble with my bladder and things were going on in my life, I had to go get looked at. So I went to get to a doctor, and they tell me I have this tumor inside my bladder, on the wall of my bladder. And the doctor's sitting there telling me and my wife, and the, the prognosis is, son, I don't know for sure. We'll go in and do surgery and take the tumor out, but I'm on, I bet the house that you've got bladder cancer. This is the most common thing that we see, and the result is this, and I bet that's the case. He didn't realize who he was talking to. He didn't realize who he was talking to because that very next Sunday I made my way down to the altar and a preacher man came down and laid hands on me and proclaimed something over my life that no one will ever take from me. He said, you may be worried, something I worried about that I didn't even share with my wife. He said, you may be worried that you're not going to be here to see your kids grow old. You may be worried that, that death will take you way too soon, but God said, I'm not done with you, my son. The proclamation was laid over my life, and I held on to that. I held on to what thus saith God. I held on to that. But my kids wouldn't know if I didn't tell them. The tumor was taken out. They sent it off for tests, and I go back for my follow-up appointment, of course, to find out the result that I expected. I don't have bladder cancer. It's a one-off tumor. They don't understand it. They can't tell me how it's not cancer. All I, can look, I looked at them, and I loved it. I looked at the doctor, and I said, man, I'm just here for you to confirm what I already know. I'm not here for you to tell me that I don't have cancer. I know that's the result because I've prayed. I've sought God. God has spoken into my life, and he's healed me. Yeah, well, you weren't healed. You never had cancer. I believe I was healed. And when I tell the story, guess who's getting the glory? My mighty God is getting all the glory. Amen? We've got to tell our children of the mighty works of God. Where are all the witnesses? They need to hear about a father that will never hurt them. They need to hear about a son who paid the ultimate price that we can have everlasting life. 
They need to hear about the Holy Spirit who dwells in us and leads us and convicts us and strengthens us and comforts us. They need to hear the truth. The generation, this generation did not know the Lord because the ones before them did not tell them. Nowhere does it say that they spoke about it. What happens is what typically happens, time goes by and we forget to take the time to, to think about what's important, to think about the future and where we're headed. We forget about it and then time goes by and they knew not the Lord. It's a dangerous place to be, but the first step in losing a generation is not sharing our stories. That's the very first step. Everyone in here has a story to tell. If you're saved, you have the greatest story to tell of all. If you're not, then we can fix that here in a little while. That's okay. Amen? But if you've saved and Jesus sanctified you and, and saved you from your sin and you are, you are now living and serving him, you have a testimony. You have a witness. You have some oh, opportunity to go to some young kid, to some high school, to some middle school, to your very own children in your own home and tell them what God did for you. We must share our stories, our witness, our testimony of what God has brought us through. We must tell the next generation. We must engage our young people and our children. Instead, we tell stories of back in the day. We tell stories of, man, I remember what church used to be like. I remember when we used to jump the pews and shout the aisles and, and dance all around the front row during worship. We talk about the past like it's not available now. We talk about the past, but I'll ask you, what's changed? What's changed about the past? Because Malachi 3.6 tells me I'm the same. God's the same. Hebrews 13 and 8 says I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. If God hasn't changed, what's changed? We have. We as a people have changed. But I'm asking today, child of God, men and women of God, the body of Christ, can we get back to the focus and foundation on Jesus Christ and preaching and teaching our children and our youth about the power that he moves every day with? Amen? The second step to losing a generation is not knowing the Lord. If you don't tell the stories, you don't know the Lord. We're going to lose the next generation. The world starts falling apart when we don't pass down the stories of truth. You can't be afraid to tell your children the hard things. You can't be afraid to discuss it, the hard things. What do you mean the hard things? You can't be afraid to talk about the birds and the bees with your boy or girl. You can't be afraid to talk about drugs and, and, and vapes and cigarettes. You can't be afraid to talk about those things. I can promise you this, and being a youth pastor, you know I know, they're already hearing it. They're already hearing it. My son is seven years old, and he comes to tell me the other day that there's a kid in his class that's already vaping. Why do you even know what a vape is? You're seven. It blew my mind, but it's scary because they're already hearing it. Why are we not telling them about the good things? Why are we not telling them about these things? Before they get in the school system, they're already seeing it and healing it. As I said earlier, evil's all around them. They're going to hear it. They're going to see it. They're going to think it. They might even do it. But as a man and woman of God, you have, a, you have an obligation. Your first calling as father, your first calling as mom, your first calling as grandparents is to shelter your children. The Bible says to raise them up in the way they should go, and they will not depart from it. They may stray for a little while, but they will come back in time. They, sh you, they should be hearing from you first. Amen. They can handle it. 
a lot better than you think they can handle it. I immediately sat down with Neither and started explaining to him. He already knew that it was wrong because he's been watching, he's been listening, he's been hearing. But I sat down and talked with him. And I said, son, you understand. And he did. Impress me. But we've got to do that. We've got to take our children back. We've got to take our children back. At the end of the day, they will believe truth or lies. They will either serve God or Satan, but they must know the truth. They have their own choice, but they must know the truth. I, I, got a, I received a phone call a couple weeks ago from a high school kid, and he was in tears. He was crying, he was struggling, and he called me for help. He didn't know what to do. And he was struggling with an addiction, an addiction to pornography. This is a high school kid. And I, I counseled him. I went over scripture with him, which he already knew. But I talked to him, I encouraged him, I guided him, I led him, I did everything I knew to do and everything I felt like the Lord was saying, telling me to say, I told him. And we got off the phone, he felt a lot better, but the enemy will not stop. You guys need to understand, the enemy will never give up. And I tell the youth, I said, the enemy does not care about you. He only cares that you don't make it into the presence of the Father. He doesn't care about you. He doesn't care if you end up in hell. He doesn't care. His job is to make sure you don't end up with the Father. And I tell them that, but we have to as well. They can't just hear it on Wednesday night. They can't just hear it on Sunday morning. They've got to hear it every day of the week. And when you get an opportunity that God does something in your life, and you get an opportunity to example the power that God performed, you must tell the children. You must tell the youth. I came to tell you, don't back down, Dad. Don't back down, Mom. Don't back down, child of God. You are fighting for the next generation. They need to know. What do they need to know? They need to know that we are more than a conqueror. They need to know that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. They need to know that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. They need to know that Jesus is Savior, Sanctifier, Water Baptizer, and soon coming King. They need to know the truth. John 8, 32, very popular scripture says, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. In the book of Judges, we see a disobedient and idolatrous people get defeated time and time again because of their rebellion against God. God raised up judges to throw off the yoke of bondage and restore the nation to pure worship. But every new judge that spoke of the Lord, after every new judge would come and they would return but they would always return back to their wicked ways, and he would have to raise up another judge. It's difficult, it's difficult sometimes when you feel like you just can't get through. Maybe you're talking to your high schooler. Maybe you're talking to your kid, and you're thinking, there's nothing I'm saying getting through. It may be difficult, but when you think the prayers for your children aren't being heard, when you think that nothing's working and things just keep going wrong, when all around you and all you can see is this next generation is headed in the wrong direction and all is lost, let me remind you and encourage you out of Acts chapter 2 verse 17. And it shall come to pass that in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And who? Your sons and your daughters will prophesy and your men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. There's a plan in place for our young people. God said it. He's going to perform it. Amen? 
Let's make it greater. Let's make it bigger. Let's share our testimonies. Let's spread the gospel to the youth as much as possible. That's how we do it. I came to encourage you today to hold on. Hold on, child of God, and keep fighting and contending for the sake of the next generation because God will work a miracle. Amen? This is a stubborn generation. I know. This is a stubborn generation. But you know what they have allowed me to see? That if they accept it, they'll be your hardest fighters for it. Can I tell you that if you share the gospel with your young people when they accept it and they believe it as truth, they will fight harder than you've ever seen somebody fight for it. Amen? Let's fill them up. Let's direct them and point them in the right direction. They must taste it. They must hear from us. Be a witness to the next generation. Share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Share the stories that God has performed in your life. Isaiah 43, 10 through 12 says, Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I, and the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. I have declared, I have saved, and I have showed when there was no strange God among you. Therefore ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. The people of this generation, the people of the generation of the future need to know who God is. They need to know of his power and his might. And what a, what a life field following his footsteps looks like. Let's be that, that, let's be that generation that doesn't let the future generations fall. Let's be that generation right now that, that fights and contends for the faith for our future generations. Amen? You can come to play the piano. I'm closing. And you can stand. It's been said that it's easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. And that's another reason why it's so important for us to build strong children. And the strongest way that I know how and the strongest way that I can encourage you to know how is that everything you do honors God. Every walk you do, every, every time you get an opportunity to tell them about what God is doing for you. Share those stories. Be a witness, not, to, not, not only to strangers, not only to the world, but even to the ones in your own home. Even to the friends of your kids when they come over to your house to stay the night. Show them what it's like and what it means to be a true child of God, a true Christian. And I'm not saying that to be hard on certain people. I love them. I love everyone. Whether you know Christ or not, I love you. But that's why I want to share with you. Because I don't wish that you, anybody gets, I want all, everyone I run into to make it to heaven with me. I've always had this mentality of I hope heaven is packed. And if it's not, let me get some people to go with me so we can pack it out. But I think it's going to be packed. I'm excited. But one of the, and, and one of the things that excites me when I, when I talk about this and sharing our stories is in Matthew 24, 14. It says that once the, 
and I'm paraphrasing, but once the world hears of the good news of Jesus Christ, then the end will come. That means as soon as we get the word out, God's coming back to get us, amen? And I'm praying for that day. No, I want to grow old. I want to see my kids grow and I want to have grandbabies. Right? I want all that, but I want the Lord to come. Because more often than not, I find myself waking up not wanting to go to work the next morning. I don't want the bills and all the stuff that comes with it. God blesses, but I'd rather be in heaven. Amen? I'd rather be in heaven. So this morning, if you find yourself in a situation where you have sons and daughters, grandsons and granddaughters who maybe they've strayed from the Lord, maybe they've walked away, and I know there's prayers in this house of daughters and sons and, and grandchildren and great-grandchildren who have strayed. I know there's stories in here. I would like for everyone who has that and is willing to, to come up to the front because I want to pray for those sons and daughters. I want to pray and believe that God will move and intervene and meet them right in the very midst of where they are. I pray that God grips their heart and touches their spirit because I know they've been told, some of them have been told they've been raised in it. They've been guided by it. But sometimes we stray. Sometimes we, we push a little hard and we push them further away than we meant to do. But God can perform the work. It's not up to us to perform the work. We're to be the witness. We're to be the one that's showing them what it looks like. But God performs the work. Amen? It's time that we take our, genera our future generations back. There are so many things in this world now, more now than ever before, where the enemy is keeping them distracted, keeping them confused. And it's time, men and women of God, that we take our future generations back. Amen? Stretch your hands toward heaven. Let's just begin to pray. Pray for each other. Pray for your own. Father, we love you today.